Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner right here on your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. Now it's time for a new episode of Democracy in Crisis with Baynard Woods. This week, I'm not here. Well, I am, but not on this broadcast. Brandon Soderberg and Imani Spence join Baynard Woods to look at the alt-right and the demonstration that took place in Washington, D.C. last Tuesday. It's an interesting conversation as we look forward to what will come from this next right-wing subculture. If you like what you hear, check out Democracy in Crisis, past episodes, and a blog from the rally at democracyincrisis.com. is Democracy in Crisis. I'm Baynard Woods. This is the, we've been doing this now for 23 or so weeks of every single week of the Trump administration since the inauguration. I've been trying to find something to make sense of. And, and the world has been so bizarre, so confusing, so disastrous this summer um, and uh, leading up to it that it, it's one of the most difficult things is narrowing down on what confusing thing we want to find someone smart and try to make sense of. And so we're going to keep coming to you throughout uh, the rest of this, this administration trying to make sense of this. This whole time, there's been this background static noise of the alt-right and this whole new far fringe right movement that helped get Trump elected then the, the press sort of weirdly swooned over shortly after the election with, with profiles about Richard Spencer, the, the most preeminent neo-Nazi in America's spiffy haircut. And so we're going to finally, and we've addressed it a little bit when we talked about Mike Flynn being a skater and then transitioning to uh, a, a waterboard wannabe. And, and so this week we're going to talk a little bit about Richard Spencer and the alt-right and where that kind of stuff is now, because there's pretty interesting things going on. And Brandon Soderberg is with us today from the Baltimore City Paper. He was at one of the two alt-right rallies in D.C. on last Sunday, which would have been the 25th. So we'll be, Imani Spence, our producer and co-host, will be talking, helping me talk with Brandon about this as, as we try to make sense of what these doofs are doing. So welcome, yeah. y'all. Oh, thanks. Thanks. So, yeah, first of all, I mean, set up this, this rally for us, Brandon. What, what was happening um, on Sunday? How did we get there that we're having a free speech rally hosted by Nazis? Yeah, okay. So, um, and maybe fill this in because I feel like I, as often ha happens with this stuff, you can get like sort of, you start to drown in the 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 details. So, there was a planned kind of alt-right rally and for freedom of speech, and Spencer was invited. And then once Spencer was invited, this troubled other alt-righters, which Spencer and the sort of overt Nazis have called the alt-light, <laughs> um, including Cernovich and Jack. How do you say that dude's name? Posobiec. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, him, who I guess his big thing recently was he's interrupted the Shakespeare 
That was him. Oh, right? that was him. Yeah. Boo the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and started yelling out that that Goebbels would be proud. Goebbels would Goebbels. be proud over and over again. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so once Spencer was invited, that kind of created this further rift that I think has been happening within the alt. It's interesting how, in short, I think it's basically that the alt right is infighting in the way that we're so all used to the left infighting. They're sort of the narcissism of small differences sometimes. Um, so it's really the the openly racist guys versus the more subtly racist guys. And so basically, once Spencer was introduced to this freedom of speech rally, Cernovich and some other people were like, whoa, 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 that's too far. Then these alt-right guys kind of said, well, if this is the freedom of speech rally, you can't ban anybody from it, right? So, so then Cernovich, whatever his name is, and these other guys started another rally, which was the rally against political violence. Which they started calling a peace rally. And then they started calling a peace rally, which mainly they were hinging the idea of political violence on um, the shooting of the congressman and then to, in general, their sort of obsession over the mostly property damage or very light violence of the anti-fascists. And also the play. So they, they consider a production of Julius Caesar in which Caesar looks okay. something like Trump as political violence. Right. They also perceive the... the uh, Griffith thing as political violence. Yeah, but Trump cares not political violence. Right. So, and, and just for, if, if anybody's listening and you're like, who in the f are all of these people? And you, you, hopefully you don't know, but if you're listening, you maybe have some notion. You should go and check out, subscribe to our friend Will Somers, Right Richter. It's a newsletter that comes out every week. He works for The Hill, but he does this on his own, you know, and, and God bless him for delving into the, the depths of this, this nastiness for us every week, but he's got a nice primer of who all of these characters are. So if you want to go and, and subscribe to that right now, he's, he's a really good writer, and it's, it's a fascinating soap opera sort of to follow. So then there became two rallies, and the other one, which was called the Alt-Light by Spencer and these guys, was over near the White House. This one was by the Lincoln Memorial, kind of right in front of the reflecting pool. And then behind it was D.C. United Against Hate, which kind of gathered to oppose the alt-right rally so that's all that was and i was at lincoln memorial i didn't even go over to the other the alt-light rally because in a way it didn't seem like there was there was even less people there than at the other one and this seemed to be kind of more once i was there i was kind of planted there i guess so i i feel like i have to a little bit for for this job i read breitbart every day i follow this right-wing stuff and i'm on a year sort of um, like yeah Could, couldn't be me couldn't be me <laughs> right i wanted to ask like what as as brandon starting talking about this like what was your awareness of this stuff before so my biggest awareness was that richard spencer obviously i'd read his like weird thing in mother jones where it was like he's he's a hot nazi he's got hot girlfriends and then i read after he was punched when he like was um someone asked him like are you a nazi and he's like oh no those guys hate me and i remembered that kind of derision there and i remembered he had a i guess it was a conference in dc maybe right after Trump was elected, or right before, where it was like, they were definitely doing the like the Hitler salute, but they're like, no, but we're still not Nazis. Like, I want to make it clear, we're something different. So I always understand those type of, I guess it's a nuance. I mean, it's all racism, so I don't really know why that nuance needs to be there. But I do believe that 
this is interesting hearing it from your side to kind of understand they're fit like they physically separated themselves right like they yeah. couldn't just be like i mean we're not really we're all really here for like white power so we can all just kind of come right. together and do it under you know but it's it's not that and even thinking I mean, about it is that but it's it's right, all about like, i know i'm not i know i don't explain racism <laughs> to you but like, it's it is that but it's 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 partially this narcissism of small differences in the way that they all want to kind of uh promote themselves that's what this is really okay. ultimately about but it's also in which this constant pivot that we've i think we've all sort of seen where and even racists don't necessarily want to call themselves racist no well, so they're and Spencer won't doesn't think he's a white supremacist because he doesn't actually want to like rule over people of color. It's it's nonsense. But huh. so there's this constant pivot, mostly just to be able to sort of become more acceptable. And it's another way in which I think, like Trump, they kind of play the media's awful false equivalency game because then the media is like, well, if he doesn't call himself a Nazi, I guess we can't really yeah, call him a Nazi. Yeah, and even he kind of thing. he was on with Charles Barkley when Charles Barkley did that weird like race in America tour and I I didn't watch the whole episode but I think it was the same episode that Charles Barkley was here in Baltimore in which Baltimore people were like get out we don't want you here <laughs> yeah, we like, didn't have we, we, Baltimore we, didn't want Charles Barkley yeah we never even wanted you here but I do think that it's interesting because in that little clip that I saw it was Charles Barkley being like okay but but you're saying you think white is the best race. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, but doesn't that make you racist? He's like, I mean, I don't really think so. I really think, yeah. and like give the scientific explanation. So yeah. I think that he's, I mean, he is, he's rebranding in a way that it's really taking off in this climate. I guess that's good. Also, to be clear, everyone at that rally, the pictures that I saw, has the same tailor. They all are kind of like bursting out of their blazers in a way that's really specific. <laughs> yeah. And I guess maybe something that we've talked about, I've heard on the podcast before, is, um, the Sartre's thing about bad faith arguments. I think that's actually what this is really about. If you want to kind of maybe bring that up. Yeah, I mean, so so the the during the the 30s, the French philosopher Jean Paul Sartre said that you can't argue with an anti semite because they're always arguing in bad faith. They're not actually arguing from an intellectual position, and so they'll switch their position just to win in this argument. And we're seeing it constantly. And and the double signification of everything. So some of these guys we're talking about, Cernovich and Posobiec, go in the White House and they flash the OK signal, which the poll thread on 4chan thinks they trolled journalists into thinking was a white power symbol um, because the three fingers being a W and the, the forefinger and the thumb making a P as you put it together and sp spelling out white power with your hand. So then they get, are able to go do that and then say, ha ha, we got you. It's yeah. not really white power. Right. We just did it because you think it's white power. And that's sort of the level that they're right. at. And it's, and it's just an expanded version of the racist joke of like, ah, oh, it's just a joke, it's, which is, has yeah. a lot to do with like, it's basically the same thing of like, oh, it's just a joke. It's not, I'm not actually racist. And it's like, well, everything you just said was racist. Or How the dog it, whistle of yeah. like, oh, we're, we're saying it so that you can understand it on on two different levels right. depending on who you are yeah and so you know and there was a moment at this rally which there i would you know the all of which was insane but like um but also really unimpressive at the same time it's really only about 100 people there um which is interesting i think in a way the media um including the way in which i've written about this a lot of like sort of built spencer up but it's interesting that he really couldn't get more than 100 people to stand up with him on a sunday a very nice sunday you're right by the memorial. There's a bathroom. Easiest way to do a rally, easiest way to do a protest. You can go to the bathroom in a place. You know, there's, you know, it's very easy. But he only got about 100 people. Um, but 
there were some some kids there that were just explicitly saying they were Nazis, and there was a moment where this other guy was like, was with his children, just walking up to the Lincoln Memorial, and he's like, "You guys are Nazis. This is crazy." Kind of making fun of them, and they were like, "Yeah, we're Nazis." Ironically, one of which was dressed like literally like a Hitler youth, or like a kind of hot topicy like <laughs> Hitler youth meets anime meets My Chemical Romance. If they made like a manga, if they make a Richard Spencer manga, this kid was like, what a like anime version, manga version of a Nazi. And then the other kid we all drew real quick, like 88, which is another kind of like white power thing. But like it was, it doesn't matter. Because H is the the eighth letter of the alphabet. It's, yeah. it's, it's um, Hail Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is all, yeah. Um, so, so anyway, so even with these Nazis, they're kind of playing fast and loose with, sincerity yeah and i also <laughs> think it's like really weird just all the different ways they're like doing the mental gymnastics to not call themselves racist and but also like obviously being racist it's really interesting because i think that almost leans not like, obviously not like actual political correctness but then they're kind of like well the reason we have to do this because like this pc culture right but at the same time like you're not even really being that i don't know it's a very yeah. weird like uh, their kind of language they're using is very fascinating that it's kind of come to play at this time. Yeah, and it comes down, I think it comes down to almost like this weird way in which like postmodernism is such a big part of the election too, in which everyone's self-aware enough. Like I started to really start observing this, like you see there's like misogyny too, or like about, you know, there's a way in which everyone knows you can't be racist, you can't be sexist, so you find ways to either say things and then frame it as like you're being transgressive by doing it, or you find a way to sort of wiggle around that word um, so I don't even know if Spencer really identifies as a white nationalist or whatever. Or like, even, I mean, it's, and this isn't totally new. Like David Duke would call himself like a racial realist. So like logic comes into this. And what you're talking about political correctness, right. that was kind of the big thing of this freedom of speech rally um, was this rejection of political correctness, this rejection of be, having to be polite. There's this figure, Baked Alaska, what is, yeah what can you explain that a little bit because I saw that in the piece and didn't totally get the connection. Okay, so he is a douche. Uh, <laughs> okay. He's kind of uh um so he used to work for BuzzFeed and the whole and he's kind of just an internet guy. He used to book uh Milo's hate speech tours. Ooh. He's kind of an opportunist. He's also kind of like super sincere in a maddening depressing way. Um, his, he has like f- kind of frosted tips. He's kind of like Guy Fieri asking. He's kind of like, "Hey, you know, like political correctness. It's just out of control, man. Like he's very <laughs> like he just that's his whole angle." And but he's a serious anti-Semite. Like he gets kicked off of Twitter for like putting like gas chamber jokes. He said he's Generation Z, Z for Zyklon right. B, Zyklon B being the cyanide that was used to gas Jews. So, but then it's always a thing of like. Oh, but it's only a joke, or it's it's not that serious, or like, isn't it crazy how if you just say these things, it ruins your life? Isn't it like who can? There's no freedom of speech left, basically. Well, that that's so interesting because we were talking about this beforehand. Is how many professors are actually having that happen to them? Where like the most prominent, from my perspective, being like Kianga Yamada Taylor, who was had death threats and had to cancel a large portion of her speaking tour because people would not let her and her family like exist and that happened because she was on fox news exactly. they they and none of these people defend her right yeah yeah i mean that's the other thing yeah which is good that you brought this up is like the freedom speech thing is like the 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 bad faithiest argument among all this oh yeah it has nothing to do with freedom of speech other than 
what the, and then another absurd element of it honestly would be that there were police DC police whose job it was to sort of uh, keep these alt writers away from the the anti alt right rally um, that was behind them the DC United Against Hate okay. and then also they also kept the DC United Against Hate people from coming too close to the alt right rally. So it created this terrible false equivalency in which there's a, like, you know, obviously it's a very different thing if, like, people walk over and observe Nazis or his, like, if a Nazi walks over to these, you know, but, like, so there's all that, too. Um, and they were kind of fine with that. Like, that wasn't considered a violation of their freedom of speech, which it's not. But given their flimsy argument for that, you'd think they would get upset that, you know, if they cared at all, if would, they cared. Why, why, why can't so-and-so walk over here and say, hey, Nazis, fuck off? right. But they're not. They're really yeah. much more about protecting their themselves in a way that, I mean, is dangerous to everyone else. I mean, and that's the weird thing. Like with Taylor, as, as an example, as someone who's receiving death threats, the right is completely silent about these. All of these people at both of these rallies want to present themselves as rebels. One of the Infowars editors' like taglines is. Uh, conservatism is the new punk conservatism is the new counterculture and all of this stuff and they and yet they're always carrying water for the president they're always like you can't be the rebel who is in support of authority except that that's what that's what they are and that's what also the brown shirts and stuff were with hitler they were they were considered like bohemian uh rebel wing of because they would go out and create chaos that was good for the authority. Well, I also think that I've started seeing this. It's probably been around this whole like election season, but I started seeing it more recently. People who are like, I believe in make America great. And I resisted like that's like my resistance is make America great. And they still consider themselves a part of a resistance because they're they're resisting the established political climate, which is just I mean, not factual on many levels, but really interesting because like. I also see co-opting a resistance on the left of being like, we resisted and voted for Hillary Clinton. Or really like, cool. liberals, not the left. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. Um, but I definitely think that they're doing, I mean, it's way, way more dangerous when they do it. And it's way more, like, I guess self-righteous because they really do think that their resistance is much more necessary and much more powerful. Right, and they see themselves as fighting against this global cabal of Jews and international capital and and whatever else, that, and that the president is fighting against that as well in their view, and so they really are part of, in, in their mind, something that, that is, no matter how cynical they are, I feel like a lot of these people at least feel like they're part of something meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that, um, Boehner, you were kind of talking to me about this the other day, um, so I'm kind of stealing your idea, so interrupt me if you need to, but like, in a way, the quote, so-called alt-light is actually much more transgressive, and with the, on this weird spectrum of right-wing punk rockness or whatever they think, Cernovich or whatever that other dude's name is, he's actually, they're more transgressive than Spencer because Spencer actually in a weird, in his own weird way, even though there's lots of these games they're playing, he's kind of painfully sincere and really not compelling. Whereas Cernovich for whatever, whatever you want to think of this guy is like a maniac and that's interesting at least. And so if, the thing that makes you punk rock on the right is how insincere and nihilistic you are. Then, weirdly enough, I think Spencer is more kind of in the middle than a Cernovich. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, and like, what's yeah, telling that Spencer loves like Depeche Mode and shit, yeah, rather than 
um, the Ramones or, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Sex Pistols. I mean, these guys are all like Sex Pistols manufactured shock right. at some level. But it's it is compelling to shock is compelling yeah. to people in some. Yeah, way. yeah. So I think, and I think that's another thing where that was what was also kind of. If I took anything away from the rally, um, it would be that it. And I've seen these alt right guys a lot. I was at the RNC. I've been to a couple other Trump rallies and stuff. Um, they're they're whatever power they have is fading because whatever Trump needed out of them, he's gotten out of them. So now they kind of define themselves versus the Cernovich types because Spencer kind of frames himself as like not someone who just supports the president unabashedly, although he supports the sort of larger, more nebulous fascist elements of the president unabashedly. So that's sort of one of the ways they divide it up, and it gets it gets really muddy. But basically, I think that like Spencer and these guys don't really have a place anymore. So that's sort of also why. So part of what whatever was needed out of that has been co opted. Um, like there's even a kind of joke going around that like uh, Eric Trump has like a Spencer Nazi yeah. haircut now, which he does, and he didn't have it a week ago. And this is the <laughs> if you if you it's it's the undercut sort of. Haircut that yeah that's it's called so the, sad because yeah. it's like there's so many people who have that haircut and have had it before the rise of Richard yeah. Spencer but now I always have to do a double take I'm like are you a Nazi? It's like all the people that had the little square mustache yeah. before yeah. Hitler came along. Oh man, yeah. Although remember when Michael Jordan brought that back? That's one of the craziest oh, things yeah, that ever I happened. Remember that. Michael Jordan briefly <laughs> had Hitler. Sorry. So no, that's good. Let's let's move away from from and uh, just to clear our our. Yeah palettes for a second before we go out. I, I want to tell you all about this. And so, first of all, everyone, check out. Brandon wrote a great piece about this rally, uh, comparing it to the the Fat Elvis stage of Richard Spencer and the alt-right. And so check it out on our site on democracyincrisis.com and elsewhere at the alt-weeklies that sponsor us. And in the column that's going to be coming up, I went out to a sort of exactly diametrically opposed thing. And just to leave our our uh, listeners with this a second. So it was a dance party, a queer dance party in front of Mitch McConnell's house. And it was really spectacular. These are the same people that held the dance party at Mike Pence's house previously. And so they, they met at Union Station, danced all the way to one of the, the organizers' mom was leading the rally in a station wagon. And Aww. everyone danced behind the station wagon, like twerking from the holding onto the bumper and stuff to dance. And it was, it was really spectacular. They get to McConnell's house, sorry, and they start throwing uh, confetti that's biodegradable confetti. But um, I, I, we're hoping next week to have Alec McGillis, the great reporter who, who lives here in Baltimore, on to talk about Mitch McConnell. He's got a spectacular book about McConnell called The Cynic. And there's this great line how McConnell would come out and sweep off his steps and his sidewalk every day. So I imagine him um, at his house over there with all of this confetti piled up. But there was so much, I mean, the thing that really struck me is there was so much despair and anger over the Senate health care bill, and yet there was such a joy in the dancing that, that I think all of our protest movements can really learn a lot from that. And I think it's a nice contrast to, um, you know, mainly queer and, and black and brown people out in the middle of the day just going crazy dancing on, in the Tony... Uh, neighborhood over by the Capitol compared to these like just drippy white guys in khakis and white 
And two polo. small blazers. Yeah. The yeah. blazers really get me. Yeah. It's the opposite. Yeah. What do we want our America to be? The choice is pretty clear yeah. when we look at these. So with that, we're going to get out of your hair this week, people. Uh, this is Baynard Woods with Democracy in Crisis. With me? Uh, I'm Imani Spence, producer for Democracy in Crisis. And I'm uh, Brandon Soderberg, editor-in-chief of the City Paper. We'll be back with co-host Mark Steiner, who has been taking care of other business this week. Shortly, tune in, download, check us out in your local alt-weeklies, and support the alt-weeklies. Much love and grim solidarity. Mm-hmm.